No credentials. Greatest album. Welcome back to the Sound Logic Podcast. We're happy to have you here with us. Today we are discussing album number 42 on the 2020 Rolling Stone Greatest Albums of All Time list, which is OK Computer by Radiohead. So this is an interesting one, Ben. We had a number of people reach out to us that were so yeah. interested in this album and we weren't sure how to choose a guest. So we kind of did the cop-out thing and just decided to go no guest <laughs> and, do, so, um, <laughs> and do it just the two of us. So uh, I guess that's, uh, we apologize if it was one that you really wanted to do with us. I guess the other side of it is um, after listening to this, feel free to uh, send us a voicemail on our anchor page uh you know we often post about the the albums we're doing so you can comment on a post in our uh, twitter or facebook Uh, feel free to leave comments about why this is a really important album to you yeah but ben uh we'll just do this just the two of us tonight i think we'll have enough to say this is an album that came Mm -hmm. out during Mm -hmm. our lives um an album that we can sort of imagine the time that it came out in. And yeah. uh, so it's not like we're grasping at straws with the sort of 60s, 70s artists um, no. wondering what it must have been like to hear this music for the first time. We can right. we can almost put ourselves back in our high school and college shoes and get into this Radiohead stuff. Right. Well, without further ado, let's move on to some details. I feel like we should say, OK, computer, tell us <laughs> details about Radiohead. <laughs> Okay, computer came out 21st May 1997. Is that, is that a good computer voice? Yeah, or, or a Siri, a Siri uh, update to that would be would be. Lovely. I guess, I guess so. Um, okay, Google. Okay, Siri. Alexa, when did Okay Computer come out? Yeah, there you go. My Siri, I've given an Australian accent, so I can't really. Do oh, that. lovely. Details, 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 details. Uh, Okay, so as I was saying, it came out 21st of May 1997, and you said this is an album that came out, we remember it. And not only that, this was really a sweet spot for when we were consuming or starting to consume a lot of music. So we were both like 15, 16. Right, yeah. And just started, you know, in grade 10, just starting to really get into music and find our own tastes and listening to it and watching much music again which is the canadian mtv so yeah sweet i think sweet spot for us this was radiohead's third studio album (laughs) we've talked we talked recently about uh writing credits uh when we talked with dustin about the talking heads remain in light we talked about writing credits so this is this is one that's so simple (laughs) all tracks are written by tom york johnny greenwood philip selway Ed O'Brien and Colin Greenwood. So it's just... We like it when that happens. Yeah, it just, you know, they all agreed on it. (laughs) 
you know, Tom York is often, I think, credited as this kind of the creative force behind. But yes. but really, they talk when you read about it. They talk about how they all brought mm-hmm. an important piece to it. Um, it charted number one in the UK. Radiohead was and still is huge in the UK, even more so than the rest of the world. Um, number twenty-one in the US. Number two in Canada. When I see a number two, I always number. I always wonder what was number one. <laughs> Sales to date around seven point eight million worldwide, so quite a lot. Especially we get some of those huge numbers from albums that have been around for 50, 60 years. This is only uh, just over twenty years, twenty-four years. Couple notes. Got some nods at the the Grammys. Uh, was nominated for album of the year uh, and won best alternative music album grammys in 98 radiohead went a little bit on a different direction from their previous album the bends they took some of the melon melancholy sounds and they orchestrated them and expanded them to, to be a little different exploring a lot of themes of self-identity and lost identity on the album and many different themes their record label capital records didn't like what they were hearing from the <laughs> studio they thought it they thought it was uh, an album that would be career suicide and alienate their fans, and they didn't want it to be released uh, in the grunge era, uh, which is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Just on that note, a bit of the reading I did, that's funny that they would say that because Capitol Records gave them a huge endorsement, like 100,000 pounds, to for them to invest in equipment to kind of do a lot of it on their own, which is so interesting. So they did that, you know, and they started experimenting with different sound equipment and, and doing a lot of the recording engineering on their own. I wonder if they assumed that they were going to get the Benz part two and, uh, and said, yeah, go, go wild. Cause we like mm-hmm. what you did last time. And so when it didn't sound quite like that, that was where the, <laughs> right. Yeah. The tension came right. in like, whoa, 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 stay in your lane, stay in your lane. <laughs> You've got a little note here about uh, about Lucky. Did you did you read this like really interesting story um, first about how the song came about and then and then how it evolved into this help album, which then becomes a song they build around here? Well, a little bit. I'll I'll tell you what kind of what I know about it, and then yeah. you feel free to add in. So I wanted to talk about Nigel Godrich because. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Goderick? Godrich? Goodrich? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Godrich, he produced the album. If I'm reading correctly, uh, he has produced every Radiohead album since then. Wow. So they met him when they were recording the song Lucky, not for this album, but two years earlier. They did something called the Help Album, and that was put together by uh, Warchild. And of course, this is that was in 95, so that's... I think still during the time of the Bosnian War. So that was supposed to be like a, a charity album to raise funds to help, um, I want to assume, you know, refugees and kind of just the war in that part of Europe. And the idea was that they would record the whole album and all the different art because they only did the one song. Different artists would do songs. They would record it all in one day. And so they recorded this song in about five hours. Uh, Nigel was uh, one of the engineers uh, on that recording session, but they really, really liked working for him. They brought him in at the beginning of the OK Computer sessions to be an advisor, and very quickly that turned into, we want you to just produce this. Um, <laughs> and then he's been 
I think, uh, from what I read and hearing, just a huge part of their sound uh, and creating kind of who they are going forward. So that's kind of an overview of it. Do you have yeah. more to add about about Lucky there? <clears throat> well, I was really fascinated, um, you know, with the experimental sound that we've already referenced. Their guitarist Ed O'Brien, during sound checks, he would play a really high pitched sound by strumming above the guitar nut, like up by the machine heads right if you've ever plucked up there you get this really like tinny kind of plinky sound yeah that sort of formed the 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 foundation i guess for uh this song that evolved into lucky so i love that part about it it's sort of like mm. playing <laughs> a part of the guitar you shouldn't be playing <laughs> right <laughs> turns into a song <laughs> the song that they sort of threw together for this charity album then becomes a song on this album and i think you know that willingness to sort of think outside the box and take a weird thing that you do during sound check and turn it into a song i think does spark something in sort of like well we're gonna we're gonna get experimental here with this new album too um the the song originally uh, was recorded in 1995 so like then another two years of, of really tinkering and experimenting mm -hmm. um, to get this final album. Um, did you hear which uh, celebrity's house they were staying in while they recorded it? You mentioned that the studio sent them off with a pile of money to go record in isolation. For You're talking about the OK Computer album? Yeah, yeah. I did read that it was in Bath, right? It was Dr. Quinn. Called medicine woman jane seymour's mansion oh come on <laughs> so is that saint catherine's court i don't know uh, where it is but yeah uh, the pictures are are crazy uh, it's apparently oh, haunted and uh, uh, a wild place to to go off and record a, an album but i'm sure lots of really echoey wow. disdain filled <laughs> rooms and uh yeah yeah they recorded in two different places one was um a studio called canned applause in didcot in oxfordshire i wonder if that's where they stayed when they were there and then there was another place called saint catherine's court which is in bath which is like a giant mansion estate mm -hmm. um so i'm not sure which one of those it was but yeah very interesting we read about We've learned about that a lot, eh, Ben? Where people go to like kind of a remote place to record yeah. and they find this inspiration or some house out in the middle of nowhere or yeah. some uh, celebrity says, well, use my place. I'm not going to be there for, you know, six yeah. months. I'm going to stay yeah. in this mansion. <laughs> There's also a piece here that's come up several times before, mental health kind of contributing to an album as well. Um, mm. Tom York was really feeling anxiety and isolation on the road, I think probably mm. helped that. But this escape to this empty space was really because he couldn't, he couldn't really exist uh, on the road anymore. And I'm guessing probably didn't want to be under the scrutiny of a professional studio either. So mm. not to trivialize mental health, that's something both of us have, have experienced and struggled with in different kinds of ways. But you know, certain people have this weird ability to take those challenges and turn them into this incredible artwork. Um, you yeah. can hear the pain and brokenness in this album as well. He's 
he's not resolved that <laughs> from his right. life at this point. Um, but it turns into something kind of creative and beautiful, I guess, to to go off in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the album artwork. It's so funny to me because this is an interesting piece of artwork. If if you're not f- familiar, you know, feel feel please go and Google it now just so you have an idea of it. It's something that is familiar to me, but I never really knew what it was. But it's just kind mm. of an image that um, uh, spoilers. I, I I have never owned this album, but but I knew this cover right away. Um, it's just something about it that's a little bit iconic. Um, it, it's mostly taken up by. It uh, looks like a uh, like a, 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 high, a freeway interchange. Yep. Uh, one thing I read thinks that it might be an image of of an interchange in Hartford, Connecticut, which uh, they played a show there on their previous tour. I don't think it really matters, but there's a lot of it's been there's a lot of different overlays and effects. It's got a mostly a light or even metallic blue color to it. Uh, the phrase "lost child." appears a few times in it in different parts of it i don't know if there's a connection to war child there if it's more about kind of the themes of of identity uh lost identity which comes up in the album yeah i mean radiohead's put got some pretty interesting album covers over the years Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um and this is one again it's it's strange it's very abstract but it but it's memorable Mm -hmm. what do you think it definitely seems 90s like uh yes sort of early early (laughs) photoshop with uh with heavy filtering and and some like kind of just uh blurry images like uh we're sort of we're outcasts so we're gonna just like make it a little blurry and hard to hard to read um i do own this album and was able to pull it off the shelf the cd that is and Mm. flip through the booklet uh, something I haven't done in a long time. Ooh. I think the middle pages are all black with the the lyrics to the songs. Very, very tiny font, kind of tucked in corners. Like they're, it's not, oh. it's not cropped mm. properly. <laughs> um, right. Okay. And oh, and then then there's a bunch of pages on either end of those lyric pages that are more of this white, dystopian, weird, blurry, random objects thrown in. I, I almost wonder if it was like a a wide piece of art that was chopped up into different sections, one of which became the cover. Because um, it all looks like the same artist or the same series. It's pretty fascinating to to sit down with that slice of 90s, what was cool in the, in the 90s. Um, yeah. It still is kind of cool, or maybe that's just because I grew up then and and, and think that. I don't know. I should have shown it to my kids to say, like, what do you, what do you think of this? If they're like my kids, I doubt they'd have much time for it. <laughs> True. It's, it's it's abstract, but I find it compelling. Um, and like I said, memorable. Yeah. It does have a Radiohead feel. I was, yeah, right when you yeah. said that they have some interesting covers. They're all covers that are hard to make sense of. Prioritize the abstract rather. But, you know, I don't think they have a single album cover where the band is on the cover, <laughs> for instance. No, they're not into that. No. So let's let's move into the music. I want to go first on this one because you said you have this album and you're familiar with it. This is not an album that I have or is one that I've listened to, which is weird to me. First of all, I remember with this when this came out. 
And I remember watching the videos on Munch Music. I'm familiar with the singles. I never felt compelled when I was younger to really get into Radiohead. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why. I guess I'll just leave it at that for now that <laughs> I have I hadn't listened to the album. Upon listening to it, I think I knew about three songs. So <laughs> surprisingly, because I grew up in this area and liked a lot of this type of music, this was mostly new for me. Uh, but what about you? What's your experience with it? Well, I'm a kind of mediocre Radiohead fan. I've never seen them live. You know, they've got probably have a dozen studio albums, something like yeah, that. I think I've only it. actually sat down with maybe four or five in my life. I've in, enjoyed them all to different levels. This one, so I think the way that I found m myself to this one, I, I noticed this morning I sent you a picture of the back of the album case because it's got <laughs> um, price tags from... Uh, in South African currency, in Rand. And uh, so I know I picked it up during my semester abroad in the fall of 2003 in South Africa. And on that same trip, I'm pretty sure uh, I got a copy of Hail to the Thief. In fact, uh, I don't think I purchased it. Um, my CDs were stolen on that trip. And someone else along on the trip felt so bad for me that they went into a record store, bought a copy of Hail to the Thief, which had just come out, gave it to me. So I think I listened to that in my Discman and, uh, and enjoyed it enough to then be sort of on the lookout during the rest of the time for other Radiohead stuff whenever we'd happen across a, a CD store and picked up OK Computer for 29 Rand, which we look today, I think it's like around $2 uh, uh, American. Um, and I'm sure it was about the same then. I, I have a vague memory that it was about... Uh, 10, 11, 12 to one exchange ratio at the time right. that I was there. But huh. um, all that to say, I came to this album, fell in love with this album, but uh, like six years after it had been out. So right. I think at that time yeah. I would have probably been in the same boat, like knew a couple of the hits from the radio. But Radiohead's not exactly like a hit making uh, band. You sort of get into them and then go deep. It's, it's not yeah. a band that yeah, you yeah. like you only know their their hits and, and love them. They're, they're, there's more to it than that. And so yeah. my pathway happened to go sort of hail to the thief, okay, computer. And then I think I went down and, and checked out the bands and Kid A and eventually in Rainbows when it came out. But, um, but uh, there's a lot of Radiohead out there that I have never, ever listened to that has come out right. either before that era or, or since. You got into it before that trip or that was when you... I think those were my first albums, those two okay, on that okay. trip. So yeah. I, I probably would have, they probably would have been a band that I, one of those bands that you think, why haven't I gotten into this group a bit more? I like <laughs> yeah. them. Why, why have I never picked up an album? Maybe I've never known where to start. And it was just that, that first album that then slid into the second uh, very quickly right. to more. I, I will say this now that we've kind of shared our experience with it. Having listened to it now over the past week, Man, it just takes me right back to that time. It sounds, <laughs> it's so, you know, like when you're listening to, I don't know, Sgt. Pepper's and you're like, well, this is the 60s. Or you're listening yeah. to Zeppelin uh, or Fleetwood Mac, something like, or Ziggy Stardust. You're like, this is the 70s. This is like, this feels like the 90s. This feels like music from yes. that time. This yep. just, I feel like I'm back in that setting. So many different nuances and kind of musical themes Yep. and sounds and tones oh man and the first thing i want to talk about is right off the bat first 
song which airbag which starts with guitar like very heavily distorted guitar line mm-hmm. then with the drums and the drum that very it was a 90s <laughs> thing especially if you think about like uh a Smashing Pumpkins song like Cherub Rock that has a lot of <laughs> fills. I can't uh, believe you're comparing this band to the Smashing Pumpkins. But no, I, no, no, no. I what I'm talking about what specifically, <laughs> the fills between the beat, like the, yeah. the extra snare and the, and t- t- like between, yeah. like that was very indicative of mid 90s. And so I'm hearing this, I'm going, oh man, like this, I feel like I know this album. Yeah. It's very snary too, right? Like it's oh, tons, almost like tons they put a, a reverb on the snare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not that that tight crack. It's a very loose, uh, almost yep. resonating. Yeah, almost reverberating 90s snare. snare yep. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's not. To me, it's not like cliche or hokey. It's just it just sounds like the time. Has it become that? Not for me, and not for this album. I think other things do. Hmm. I don't know, like a lot of young people are into, you know, Zeppelin and Fleetwood Mac and like the really, really old stuff. But I don't know if they're getting because it's like, I don't know, there's something novel to it or it's so legendary. But I don't know if they're doing that with the 90s stuff. But I've met young people at work who are like who were born, you know, around the end of the 90s who are really into stuff like Alice in Chains and uh, uh, Nirvana and other things from the 90s. I mean, Nirvana is maybe a bad example because they're kind of larger than life. I don't know, Ben. I don't know about that. Maybe. <laughs> I think we're too close to it to, to know whether it's yeah. hokey. <laughs> I think this album, I'll say another thing about it. I think it's diverse enough mm. that it that it's not. like. I think there are other bands or albums from this time that could be, but not this album. Probably, I say, not this band either. But I think this album is diverse enough that there's so many different things happening on it. So many uh, very comfortable, easy-to-listen-to songs. So many experimental and new things happening as well that I don't think it becomes kind of tropey or cliche. Yeah. Some of it, maybe. Like, even the singles, like, are not... I don't want to jump ahead too. Well, I guess we're there now. Like, <laughs> Paranoid Android is not a, that's not a... That's not a normal song. <laughs> no like that's it's a weird song and like like and when i say weird i mean it does a lot of different things it changes uh it changes time signatures it changes feel a bunch of times mm-hmm. um, i don't know if there's key there might be a key change there's so many different things happening in it it's like i remember even at the time being surprised that that was the lead single like really that's your lead single that's a weird that's a good song. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant song. I love it. Um, it's amazing. I remember being really weirded out by the music video, mm-hmm. which was cartoon, but it was just like weird images. How do you want to tackle all this, Ben? There's so much here. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to talk? Do you want to continue talking about that song since I already started? Song by song, just go through it one track at a time. Oh, we haven't man, done that. We in a could. While. I don't know about that. Well. <laughs> I was surprised in revisiting this album how diverse it is. I think you're right. There's something to that. Um, I think if it all sounded like that opening track with that bangy snare and kind of whiny, whaley voice, um, minor key, um, it would feel like stuck in the 90s. But you're right, right? We jump right into track two and there's this really kind of quirky almost acoustic guitar sounding intro yeah. to it 
There was a, a video that I watched this week as I was getting ready, just talking about some of the overviews of, of this album. And it talked about Radiohead felt like they were paying uh, tribute to some of their favorite artists with this okay. experimental album. So it's, it's thinking outside the box, but it's really borrowing heavily from other things. So um, they, they specifically mentioned that Paranoid Android has a sort of prog rock sound. It changes time and rhythm mm -hmm. throughout. It has sort of 80s synth sounds um, thrown in different places and it moves through phases. They, they held up like um, Bohemian Rhapsody and, and some other sort of like anthemic songs that that change a couple of times while you're going through them. Um, Subterranean Homesick Alien uh, has a sort of minor key jazzy uh, darkness to it that they say is a nod to uh, Bitches Brew, the, the classic Miles Davis album. Ooh. No Surprises uh, has this really interesting sound experimentation that often sounds uh, like pet sounds with the sort of like let's just use every sound in nature to create music rather than like the instruments in our, <laughs> yeah. in our yeah. studio. Um, exit music has a sort of darker uh, folksy blues sound that they say they were trying to draw from Johnny Cash's Folsom Prism album. And um, I don't know this artist, but DJ Shadow, apparently his drum sound, it's like almost a straight lift in airbag. Oh, okay. The sort of effects in, in that as well. So, so yes, there's diversity here, um, but almost a sort of uh, montage thanking their inspiration um, while they sort of push those limits beyond to, to something else. And it's really fascinating. I don't think I heard any of that sort of when I was a late teen, early 20s. I just really liked it. And, uh, and it was kind of yeah. weird. It felt cool to be listening to it. There was also like familiar feeling parts to it too. It didn't feel, it didn't feel so extreme. It wasn't like listening to something that we've tackled, like you know, like something like Trout Mask. It's just like so far removed from anything that it doesn't yeah. even sound like music anymore. There's clearly something <laughs> there that sounds '90s, that sounds rocky, that sounds like a lot of the other music we were listening to, but but like kind of twisted around in a way that, that makes it something unique and different and uh, and not so weird that I don't that my head has a hard time processing it too right I, yes um, I enjoy it while it's going on <laughs> and that's not always been the case with Radiohead either I should also say that there are Radiohead albums where I think boy you guys are really pushing things into a place where yeah. I don't really enjoy this yeah. all that much um this is an interesting one, and I, I, it'd be the one lament I have for not having a, a real Radiohead fan with us tonight is how does this fit in with their canon for Radiohead fans? I think they would all say this is a great album, but I wonder if it would be critiqued by some as being too accessible or too radio friendly or too. <laughs> Uh, it'd be interesting to hear that that perspective. Please send us a voicemail if you've got. Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I think they balance the experimental songs with the more easy to listen to songs on the album very well. Yeah. Kind of bounce back and forth a bit, which is nice. We've talked about some other bands who have done that very well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you have to, otherwise it just 
it's hard to, to process it. Having been new to most of these songs for me, also having some of my favorite albums of all time are albums that I bought pretty much when they were released and came out not too long after this, um, some of my favorite albums. So I was hearing what I thought in my mind's fairly stark similarities to some of the songs I'd listened to on this album that were new to me and going, oh, that sounds a lot like this song. Oh, that yeah. song came out a couple of years after than this. I, I, after this, I wonder if this influenced that. I think some of them we know did. So I just want to, I'll just list a few that jumped out to me. So when I listened to uh, Subterranean Homesick Alien, which I guess is a direct reference to the Bob Dylan song, Subterranean Homesick Blues, <laughs> even though I don't think right. the lyrics have anything to do with that song. Uh, but anyways, um, when I listened to that song, it made me think right away of Coldplay's High Speed from their first album, Parachutes, which came yeah. out. Yeah. And a lot of the we... mellow parachute sounds. Yeah. Right? Like, that, uh, just, that's just like the feel got a very, of this like, album. Ambient kind of guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Did you say when we listened, when we reviewed Kid A uh, with Cam, did you say yeah. that Coldplay was criticized when they came out for. For ripping, um, for sounding too much like Radiohead, uh, that they, they've been criticized for like taking the coolness of Radiohead and dumbing it down for a, a pop uh, a pop audience, like okay. <laughs> borrowing completely and just sort of like <laughs> making it more accessible. <laughs> I mean, when they were becoming a band and and doing you know maybe their first EP and a lot of that stuff that turned into Parachutes was, yep. I'm sure 98, 99, I'm sure they listened to this album a lot. It sure sounds like it yep. when I listen to Parachutes. Um, the next one, uh, the especially the rhythm in Letdown makes me think of uh, a song by John Mayer called Great Indoors from his first album, Room for Squares. Another one of my... Mm. Room for Squares yeah. and Parachutes are two albums that I had in my three CD changer um, in positions one and two for probably two years and I just <laughs> used the third I used the third slot for whatever else I was listening to but every night I listened to probably one of those two albums wow. to fall asleep for probably huh. for probably probably two years solid um, they are two of the most important albums to me um, and I thought wow. of that song right away when I heard hmm. Let Down and then no surprises I was listening to the intro I thought that sounds like something else I've heard. It took me a while to figure it out, but then I thought it sounds like on Weezer's Pinkerton, as it fades out from uh, Pink Triangle into Falling for You, there's a pl plunking mm. guitar at yeah. the beginning, which is in a different key. But I, th I kept thinking, yeah, it reminds me of the being of Falling for You, which when <laughs> that came out two years before this. Before. Yeah. So, But it's all kind of in that wheelhouse. Um, it has a bit yeah. of a, a a flower child velvet underground sound that that yeah, song a little too, bit. doesn't it? it <laughs> and Weezer in that album was going for like a very stripped back, yeah, um, kind of raw sound, crunchier. So, yep. I think, and I don't say this to be negative at all. I think when I listen to this again, it sounds so familiar, but a lot of it. I'm hearing or I'm identifying that it's things that came out afterwards, which I think points to just how influential um, 
this band has been and when we look at the lists of bands that have have said explicitly that they're influenced by Radiohead and this album in particular I mean Coldplay's in that list other bands like uh, Travis TV on the radio mm-hmm. and a lot of other bands I think you listed some there too yeah the the ones I have listed here are, are not bands that I am aware of as having said that um, but I, I remember there being that like late 90s early 2000s wave of British rock that people mm-hmm. were kind of saying like mm-hmm. is this just like the Stones and the Beatles like suddenly everything right. on the radio was Radiohead Oasis Coldplay um, and Travis right around that same time Keen yep. was maybe a year or two Keen, after yeah, that yeah, but yeah. I really got into them for a while and um, I think that whole wave of, of British rock all feels like it's borrowing from <laughs> this album. Uh, I don't know how much of that is true or if that was just like in the water in the UK at the time. And so uh, that's how a lot of stuff sounded then. Uh, but I think it, it lingers in the air too. And I, I hear I hear this album when I listen to Arcade Fire, Bonnie Vare, The National, mm. like bands mm. like that that were almost a decade later right. also still have that sort of Tom York uh, strain in the voice. Um, the way that the the minor keys are used to create a really uh, evocative feel, um, continuing to sort of play with what alternative rock uh, or or even pop rock can be, uh, if you just like give it a half turn and make it into something a little different. There's a track on the album that's. Very experimental and ambient called Fitter Happier, which has a voiceover over top. And yeah. I read that, that the voice, it's like a computer voice, but they took the voice from uh, a 1990 Macintosh computer, that, and the voice is uh, called Fred. <laughs> or that was the person of the early, I don't know if it was like a text to voice software where you could type something and it would speak it out sure. for you. I, th- I think it was, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so they, that's where they got that. But it does sound like that early, early digital. I think uh, Microsoft had like a little wizard or like that little paperclip yeah. guy. Did yep, he talk? Yep. I don't know if he talked. Anyways. <laughs> wizard is hungry that guy yeah yeah but i think in in general for me it just felt all of it felt so familiar and i guess the next part of that is very comfortable Mm -hmm. because i think that for most people there's kind of a sweet spot for your music listening like you might enjoy different things at different times or get into this like i've really gotten into jazz or i've gotten into you know classic rock and i've taken a foray into other things and enjoyed them but i think there's a sweet spot that we all come back to yeah and this really helped me uh notice and acknowledge that my sweet spot or one of them is really in that 90s (laughs) late 90s early 2000s rock sound yeah because it just felt so comfortable and easy to listen to this and almost as if you know i know i haven't heard all this before but i feel like i may as well have because it's just so familiar to me so Mm -hmm. yeah on one of our recent reviews um, when we were talking about the talking heads i think i've I admitted that that music was not a place where I felt like I wanted to stay, 
but mm. then a lot of the music I was really comfortable in was borrowing on it. This is sort of like the opposite where I'm like, oh, I can I can hear a lot of my favorite bands and I see why yeah. they wanted to borrow from this because I want to yeah. stay here in this. Yeah, I can I can too. I can live right here right now. Like this is great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah. When we were reviewing Kid A a little while back, you you were asking me, you know, what what band that we've reviewed does this remind you most of? And what you were getting at was was Pink Floyd. Yeah. And that's even uh, even in this album, they were, I think, compared again to Pink Floyd and kind of the experimental nature and the the overall feel and some of the themes. You know, Pink Floyd was did not shy away from exploring themes of mental health and political opinions. Um, yeah. And I don't know if they dig into that, but I know outside of the uh, outside of the music. Tom York at this time was, uh, I think, fairly outspoken about how he felt about Tony Blair and the, the Labour Party and other things. So as much as they are hailed as as being very influential, that this album was very influential for bands that came after, but they're, they're also taking, as you mentioned, from many others and compared to Pink Floyd. And I never would have thought of that, that Radiohead is like Pink Floyd. But once you pointed that out and listening to this <laughs> again, I definitely hear that. The other thing I noticed too, when I'm listening to Kid A, you definitely hear their move to something more electronic, more experimenting with the new kind of technology that's there for electronic mm. sounds and 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 those kind of even ambient sounds. Yeah. And with the exception of maybe Fitter Happier and one or two other things, you hear the ambience there, but this is still very much a electric guitar driven album there yes. are some softer parts to it but you, especially right from the get-go you get that hard distorted guitar lines the and the the drums that go very well with that so I, that was an interesting comparison again i'm not i'm not really in i haven't really gotten into radiohead um and i haven't listened to their albums but just hearing at, for me as i'm only listened to those two and that Kid A came directly after this one. I really hear that big shift. As much as they they kind of redefined what was happening, like I was reading that this was the this was right at the end of Britpop was like on its way out. Yeah. And Brit Brit rock, like Brit alternative rock, and into bands into the two thousands, like The Strokes and all that kind of punchy, uh, very much guitar driven Brit rock of the 2000s this is really like an intermediate point between that and yet they don't continue down that road they move to something very they keep going on their own path as they get to kid a it's not like like everyone wanted the ben's part two but then they got this and and i think they wanted okay computer part two but they did they got kid a you know they just kept pushing the envelope to the next thing and i find that so fascinating and um you really as I said with the credits, how every you know the credits were split evenly, I really get the sense when I listen to it that that is definitely what happened. That they all are contributing equally. You hear from the lyrics to the vocals to the drums, the bass, the two different guitarists. You hear all of that uh, in perfect mm-hmm. uh, concert and unison. It's uh, it's it's a well produced and well laid out album. It's it's very very well done. 
Yeah, amen. I uh, I think you're <laughs> you're right. You're spot on there with that that tension between do we give the fans what we what they want or do we try and push the envelope a little? I I remember one of my favorite uh, Steve Jobs quotes is uh, if we polled people for what they wanted, we never would have come up with the iPhone. Uh, sort of like people ah, don't people don't always know what they want. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. we have to do the hard work of introducing and um, something new. Yeah, you you can see that sometimes with bands where you know for a sophomore album they just reproduce and everyone goes, yeah, I liked it better the first time, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah. even though it yeah, is yeah, very yeah. similar, um, yeah you almost have to be reinventing yourself in music to continue to be relevant but holding on to enough of your identity that people aren't just like did they did they switch up the entire group like what's going on here yeah yeah what is this? so it's a fine line and somehow they found it i guess for this one to to both say we are still radiohead there's enough here that you will still resonate with but we're going to take you to a place that you haven't been before um I, I think that's a sign of a great album. I think the Beatles maybe are the the exemplary band that we talk a lot about on this podcast already, right? But they they move through this different phases of Beatles, still true to who they are, but but really pushing the limits of um, what music can be in that in that era, that space, and and at such an incredibly crazy fast pace (laughs) yeah right it wasn't two years holed up in a haunted mansion (laughs) no it was like you know from from please please me all the way to let it be and nabby road in like uh less than eight years yeah it's just like crazy you know yeah whereas bands now are releasing like if you get if you get three albums in a decade it's like extremely high volume <laughs> yeah it was wild but that's just the way it is yeah yeah do we gotta we're gonna pick two tracks to go on our spotify playlist uh you can check out that playlist where we pick two songs from every album we have reviewed it's called sound logic favorites ben what song would you pick from this album of great songs oh man <laughs> We've done a lot of these episodes. I know this question is coming. This this is a hard one for me. Um, go ahead if you've got one right away. <laughs> well, I want to, and you know, I can't believe we haven't talked about this song yet. We're not going to talk about every song, but the song I'm going to pick is Karma Police. And to me, it is, especially from the rock era, one of the most beautiful songs it's, I love the chord progressions. I love the way it, it changes near the end, changes key. I was talking to someone recently, and they said, "What? I want to learn a new song. What should I learn? I said, uh, Karma Police is, is beautiful. And they looked it up, and I said, careful, there's a lot of chords. <laughs> and they went, oh, man, there are a lot of chords. <laughs> it's one of those songs where they take every... Like where where you have you know chords, but the bass walks between the chords. Uh, Karma Police is one yeah. where the guitar plays every chord in between the main chords. Yep. And it is just I remember again when it came out, I didn't have a lot of time for this song. Maybe it's because it's a little bit slower, a little more somber. But now you know, maybe I'm a little more slower and somber. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it is just gorgeous the great blend of a lot of songs start with one instrument and the others join in i love that this starts with piano and acoustic guitar at the same time Mm -hmm. and they blend very evenly and then again with really weird kind of uh, processed i don't know if it's guitar distortion or feedback at the end uh just yeah that's i think that's there's a lot of great songs on this album i think that's my favorite i really like that one too and so do a lot of people it's the most listened to song uh, according to spotify on this album okay um by a significant margin right but but yeah it's a it's a really good one i am feeling torn i think the um the opening track just does such a good job of setting the stage. Yeah, it's, it's very good. Um, but I'm really drawn to, and this is the, the hesitancy in picking this one is that it doesn't necessarily feel like the rest of the album, but the, uh, the kind of crunchy guitar intro on the eighth track electioneering. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and there's, uh, <laughs> I was going to crack a joke at some point during this episode on, they finally found a song to, just have enough cowbell because there's cowbell through the, <laughs> the entire thing um, right yeah <laughs> it's a quirky song um i think i'm gonna pick that one as my as my track okay uh, great put that electioneering on it so awesome. you've got a, a very uh perhaps the most well-known song from this album with probably one of the least so uh, right. enjoy that on that sound logic playlist I'll give an honorable mention to No Surprises, which is just really... It's a good one, too. Yeah. A really cozy, comfortable song. So is Um, The Fade Out. The Tourist... um, Yeah. ...has a really uh, laid-back, cold-play, parachutes vibe, too, that quietly closes out a fairly upbeat album. (laughs) Yeah, yes, yes. I guess my my second um, (laughs) runner-up... We did talk about Paranoid Android, and it is weird, but I, I gotta say the electric guitar sounds in that especially at the end where there's a guitar kind of dissonant guitar solo going over that last part yeah it's one of those moments uh, brian may and queen has done this and i know jeff healy used to do this where you're playing the guitar and the sound you're producing feels like it's just putting a crazy amount of stress on the guitar and the equipment you're putting it through it's just like it's gonna it's going to give way and, and, and break or explode or something. I feel like that when I listen to the guitar sounds on Paranoid Android, it's just like, what are you doing with that Almost guitar? Almost at maximum, yeah. Yeah, like, Their amps go what to is 11. happening? Just squealing and this compressed. It's just crazy. But I, again, so brilliant innovation and sounds and really set the tone for amazing things to, in, to come in music. Yeah. The only final thought I have is, I don't know why this is the case, but every time we get to an album that I have loved for a long time, I have a hard time knowing what to say. As I don't, I think it's almost like, I think my bias is like, everyone already knows this is great, don't they? Like, what do I have to say about it? (laughs) It's not actually true. Um, Lots of people don't like Radiohead, but man, I really do. And I, I... uh, I apologize for Radiohead fans if you don't think I've sold this well enough. Uh, this is a really great album, and I, I I felt this same way when we got to Joshua Tree and um, 
Uh, even the Beatles White Album, when I've re-listened to that review, I think like, say something. Mike doesn't even like it. How come you're <laughs> not saying more? <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, I, I don't know. It's, I need to think a little bit more about this because I'm sure it's going to happen again where we get to an album where I'm just, I'm already in love with it. Uh, how do you talk about it when when that's the yeah. case? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think we could have said a lot more, but uh, and we didn't talk about every track, but no, yeah. There's 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 a lot of. I mean, and like everything else, every other album we've reviewed, the best thing for you to do is go to listen to it. Right. To listen exactly. To it. <laughs> Check it out. Tell us why we're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm open to that. For our last question, Ben. We've talked about the influence, but listening to it in 2021, is it relevant? Ooh. What do you yeah, think? again, I think because of our proximity, tough. this yeah, is tough question. It's really hard to know whether it is our teenage bias that is answering this question or, <laughs> or what exactly. Um, right. Granted, I don't listen to much modern rock radio, but I think there are still... You know, in the words of, of Jason Crane, as long as they're making uh, music with these same instruments, there's going to mm-hmm. be something relevant about it. There's still yeah. music being made with guitar, drums, bass, keyboards, and a heavy-handed producer as well, right? A really well-produced album. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I think this is definitely still relevant, and I wouldn't be surprised... Um, We've also been texting recently as the weather's been warming up about the uh, college students down the block who've been having lawn parties with their stereo cranked. I'm surprised (laughs) at how diverse their their sound is. Um, They bounce from like their techno club music to Fleetwood Mac and some other classic (laughs) uh, artists as well. Um, Right. I wouldn't be surprised to hear tracks from this album coming out there because i think it still does have legs and still does have the power to to be transformative in this era for sure i think there are certain aspects of it that sound a little dated and i said certainly somebody who that snare drum is always bothering you huh (laughs) (laughs) but it was such a crucial album again as i said as the sound moved from the mid late 90s into the 2000s I think that certainly as a stepping stone, it's relevant as if you're trying to recreate, you know, a sound or or see like where did the rock that I listened to come from. And I think I agree with you in terms of the instrumentation. I think there's you get a lot more acoustic sounds today in in like alt rock and indie rock and indie folk rock. You get more people experimenting more with things like banjos and mandolins and uh, upright basses and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that I think, um, you know, acts like Mumford and Sons, you know, which were big 10 years ago. And that has still carried through. This isn't re- relevant to a lot of that movement, but I still think there's a lot of, you know, uh, more traditional rockers out there. People yeah. um, listen to that music and making their own music that I think this is this is very relevant to that. Uh, maybe not. And, and again, if you're in the more of the pop thing, maybe not, but. I think this definitely still has a place. And I think uh, from both of us, it's a fairly biased opinion. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. But I think we're okay with that, right? Two guys who don't really know anything. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. No problem. (laughs) 
how could we say anything different? Radiohead had the number 20 album, and now they have the number 42 album. What do you feel about that placement? Uh, yeah, okay, isn't computer, that fascinating? 42nd best of all time. What do you think about that? Maybe that says more about its relevancy than, than anything else that we've talked about on this episode, that sort of industry professionals have bumped it up the list this high. Yeah. I really like it. I'm... I think I'd rather see it here than um, Kid A all the way up at 20. I, I I like this album a whole lot more than Kid A. And, uh, okay, yeah. So I, that's the one that's more of a surprise for me. I, I think this deserves to be here at least, maybe even a little higher. I'm not sure why it is in the second place um, to hmm. Kid A. Interesting. I said I wasn't familiar with all of this album but it felt familiar Mm. with Kid A I was again not familiar with it and it definitely didn't feel familiar at all it was so new this album certainly easier to listen to I think within the industry within music makers I think Kid A made bigger waves um, at the time and and maybe continuing Mm -hmm. I, I think I might even tend to agree with you that I would see okay computer slightly ahead of kid a but maybe that just comes from how much i like it and how much it reminds me of that wonderful time in my life listening to all that music that i still love i don't i don't you know i don't know it it even it feels a little high but i think if we're if we're being diverse and picking a few albums from each era Mm-hmm. This is a really good one to pick from like the late 90s. This yeah. is like a great example of the music of the time and also an album that influenced many popular bands to come. Some that are still like Coldplay, still a huge act, mm-hmm. you know, and, and other other acts we've mentioned as well. I, I like it here. I like it here. <laughs> I think it's a good spot for it. Um, Comfortable. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to see it. If anything, the, the Kid A at 20 is like more compelling a bit more of a head scratcher but Mm -hmm. um, yeah very interesting very very interesting and and yeah i i I think i do this a lot i just i don't want to be uh divisive (laughs) so i just say oh i like it here (laughs) because i don't want to say oh it should be higher it should be lower but no i think i think it's a good spot for it i think if you compare it to some of the albums just before and just after it on the list i think it's a good fit I think you could move it 10 spots either way and I'd be okay with it too. Yeah. Uh, that it's it's definitely definitely top 50. Yeah. I think top 50 for sure. 30 maybe not. <laughs> yep. Let's just leave it. I'll tell the guys at Rolling Stone not to move it. We it's gets gets the check mark from us. We can just hold Absolutely. hold in this position. Sure. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so we get we get to revisit Radiohead a few more times. We mentioned we already talked about Kid A is number 20. And then the next album, although it will take a while, is The Benz at number 276. Now, OK Computer went from 162 up to 42, so about 120 spots. But The Benz went from 111 down about 165 spots to 276. Yeah. And then one more album... In Rainbows uh, at 387, that went down about 50 spots. That's all we have to review. There was one more album 
uh, Amnesiac was number 320 on the 2012 list, but it doesn't appear on this list, so it's been bumped. So yep. we'll uh, get to more that albums. in 20 years when we circle yeah, back when to the Yeah, when we do all the albums that got cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was nostalgic and wonderful, Ben. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we apologize again to those hardcore fans who were hoping to be a guest on this episode. Um, we hope we've done it justice, and uh, we'd love to have you on for something else. Um, thanks for your support of the Sound Logic podcast and for following along. We have a lot of fun on these journeys, and uh, sometimes we have the most fun when it's just Mike and I, although we love having other people with us too. <laughs> what we got coming up next time there, Ben? Yeah, next time we get another new episode. Um, we talked when we did our, our uh, re-ranking episode that this group of 10 um, doesn't have too many that we've tackled before. And so we get another new one coming up at number 43. We get uh, The Low End Theory by A Tribe Called Quest. Should be fun. Yeah, I think the first of four hip-hop albums in this group of 10. So uh, a genre that we're admittedly less familiar with, but... Yeah. Uh, great to listen to new music. So, absolutely. Until that time, we hope you continue to be well, that you take care of yourselves and those around you, and that you'll join us next time on the Sound Logic Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye for now. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our Sound Logic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.